There are a group of horsemen out there trying to preserve the ways of old. In today's fast-paced world, these cowboys, vaqueros, take their time with both horse and cattle because it's a better way for all involved. In California, they have an old saying, it's manana, manana. What we're trying to do is do nothing today that won't make tomorrow better. Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare. And I'm Renee Hare. We love horses, and each week we look for new and interesting ideas to share. Today, we learn more about the early Californio horsemen with Bruce Sandifer and Elena Juarez. Before we do, we wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Patreon is a way you can support the Woe podcast. We are working with the same equipment we started with in 2012. The Woe Podcast is in its fifth year with over 150 episodes and nearly 100 videos. People have offered to help. And here's how. It's easy. Go to patreon.com forward slash John Hare and check it out. We hope to add a few more rewards. We have a t-shirt and a decal in design right now that will look super sharp and also prove your support the show. And we want every contributor to supply us with a photo of you and your horse so we can post it on the Woe Podcast support page. There's a link to Patreon at woepodcast.com. You can help us produce even better content. Now let's get to this week's show. Back in 2015, I spoke with Bruce Sandifer. Bruce is the brains and muscle behind the California Bridal Horse Association a group of horsemen dedicated to the traditions used on livestock and horses during the Mission Era of California. With the help of his friends, Bruce produces the Early California Skills of the Rancho Show, an event to showcase the men and women who believe this style of horsemanship is better for both livestock and horses. The Early California Skills of the Rancho is happening July 6th through 9th at the Elk rodeo grounds in Santa Maria, California. Recently, there was another roping event happening at the historic Tejon Ranch and I noticed on Facebook Bruce would be there. Tejon Ranch is close enough for me to drive and we set up an interview. The month of May in the San Joaquin Valley is usually in the 80s and 90s. But of course this weekend it was cold and windy. (laughs) Bruce and I found a stall to shield us from the wind. You get to hear the horses and house music playing over the PA system. In addition to talking with Bruce, I met up with vendor coordinator of the event, Elena Juarez. Elena is immersed in the Vaquero way and we did the interview in the tack room of her horse trailer. I couldn't help but be distracted by the beautiful spade bits, hackamores, and saddles. Yeah, you got a little distracted. You know we can't see what you're looking at, right? (laughs) Theater of the mind, baby. Theater of the mind. I wasn't going to pass up an opportunity to get a few questions answered, and it was fun checking out all her beautiful gear. Here's Bruce now to tell us a little about the event and why it's important to preserve these traditions. We're here with uh, Bruce Sandifer at the Tejon Ranch. They're doing a ranch roping today, and but we're going to talk about the... Early California skills of the rancher. Oh, there you go. That's a long title for it me to remember. It is a long title, yes. We talked, we talked back in uh, 2015 when uh, the event was being held in Santa Barbara. And uh, this year, it's in Santa, back in Santa Maria? Santa Maria, yeah. This will be our second year in Santa Maria at the Elks Unical Center, Elks Rodeo Grounds in Santa Maria. It's a great 
place for people to come out and spectate. It's a totally free event, all uh, four days. This year we're a little bit different in that we're starting on Thursday, July 6th at noon, and we're going to have a lot of our ranch horse competition at that point, which is a, a dry work, stock horse run, and then a, a little bit of cutting and a little roping from individuals. And what does the dry work entail? Well, the dry work is just, you know, a pattern, basically. Okay. So we just want to see horses uh, go out there and exhibit a real relaxed control, you know, mm -hmm. riders you know, go down there and just do a nice job with their horses. And do you expect cowboys from all over to come to this? Event? Yeah, we have cowboys from all over the United States come to this. You know, a lot of people from Nevada and Oregon and as far east as Nebraska and Colorado. So there's quite a few people from different areas. One of the unique portions of our the California Bridal Horse Association and this event in particular is that it's judged on basically three aspects. Most ranch ropings are time and shots. Right. Um, we, we actually are based on stockmanship, horsemanship, roping shots, and then there's a time limit. The time does not uh, dictate who wins unless it's a tie. You know, so it's a point-based deal. And what we want to see is smooth and sustainable handling of their horses, cattle. Uh, we're really looking for how you would do it at home on the ranch. To, if you own those cattle and we take really, really good care of our cattle and we try to take really good care of our horses and everybody work in a, you know, just a real respectful manner. Mm -hmm. Now, we talked back in 2015. Quite frankly, I didn't know too much about the California method and or about the, the traditions that you're trying to preserve. When you say sustainable, what do you mean by that? What we mean is that we try not to do, in California they have an old saying, it's manana, manana. Right. So what we're trying to do is do nothing today that won't make tomorrow better. Okay, so we, we, we really don't want people to go out there and risk their horse or, or damage their horse or their cattle just to win a prize today. It's not about that. For us, it's about smoothness of work, beauty and work, and also sustainability is about that horse is going to be good for a long time. And being cattle are a rancher's product. That's their product. So we want to make sure that those cattle are handled with the utmost respect and that they're handled in a way that will make them better. So it's not only sustaining the, the health and mental well-being of the horse, but it's also the, the cattle. The cattle, the cattle are a very key part, right? We've been doing this for four years. This is our fifth year. And the cattle gain during this event. And they're used almost continuously for three to four days. And cattle gain weight. And they become <laughs> calmer and easier to handle as the time goes on. Well, that's cool. And so that's been a, you know... A really neat aspect of what we do. And you uh, trying to focus on their tradition and use traditional equipment. Too. Yeah, we are. Um, that's why one of the reasons it's early California. We we do hackamore, uh -huh. two rein, and bridle horses. The bridle horses don't have to be ridden a spade bit, but it is. You get extra points for having a spade. Nice handling horse in a spade, not just a horse in a 
spade bit that's thrown in there and not working right. Right. So we try to keep that that whole thing and that and the riata roping for the open. We're trying to keep that alive and just that softness in the horses. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of competitions are flashing that what we want to see is smooth and pretty and, and horses and working in a relaxed manner. Why do you think it's important to keep that tradition alive? Well, for one thing, it's just a really good way to work horses and cattle. Mm -hmm. the, the horses last longer. It's good for the stock you're working. And so, it, you know, there's a lot of speed events. There's a ton of them out there. And so right. what we wanted to do was to put on an event where people could go that were not that interested in that, but wanted to to work on, you know, a sustainable method, something that's nice to do with their horses and nice to do with the cattle. They could feel good about it at the end of the day. And so, you know, that's one of the things. I mean, time is great. You win a buckle, that's great. But for us, it's about keeping alive a tradition. Also, it's about maintaining the dignity of, of all the animals involved. Right. When you're doing a roping in the two-rain, what set of reins are you generally focusing on? It just depends on where the horse is at. A young two-rein horse, you may be a little more in the hackamore mm -hmm. part of the two-rein. A more refined one, you might be a little more on the bridle and just backing up. As it goes through the two-rein process, generally you're not using the bit at all in the first phases of that. Right. At the end, you're not using the two-rein much. And you just have it there to remind the horse of his hackamore work and also... You know, because it is, uh, sometimes things get fast when you're roping. It gives you that, the ability to, you know, take a hold of them with the hackamore instead of the bit. We're trying not to wreck the horse in the process of bidding. God. Isn't that a lot to keep track of, though? You've got the, you've got the two rain, you've got your... It can be, but, you know, it's, it's, it's like anything. If once you practice and you become proficient at it, you know... The, the beauty of the two-rein is that it allows you to go into the bridle without pulling on it as much. And so you can train the horse completely in the hackamore, put it into the bridle, and let it make that transition. We use spade bits, which are bait, weight and balance-based bits, mm -hmm. signal bits. Right. And so we want that horse to work off the change of balance, not to pull on its face. And so that two-rein allows us to, once the horse knows how to use its feet, and how to position its body in the hackamore, we can go into that bridle and get it to working on the bridle in the same way without ever pulling on it. And that's the goal. I mean, we can pull on them if we have to and it doesn't hurt them, but you know, I think everybody in this that does it really wants to get to where that they have that velvet light trigger rein horse that they don't pull on. So you're going to be there for uh, just July 6th through 9th, and there's going to be a whole bunch of horses there, but there's going to be vendors and understanding uh, about... Tons of really great vendors and craftsmen. Saturday night, 7.30, we have a free concert by Mike Beck, who's an awesome acoustic artist. And so everybody shows up. The Elks are doing food, and they also have a pretty good bar. So, <laughs> you know, if you want to come out and have a good time and, and enjoy you know, some nice fine horsemanship and stockmanship, but also some wonderful gear and art, Western art, mm -hmm. you know, and just a lot of good socialization and camaraderie. It's a good place to come. Which ranch hands from which area tell the biggest stories? 
well, you know, those guys from Nevada, they're pretty windy. <laughs> but uh, actually, everybody's, they're all pretty great people. I think that one thing people will find if they come out there, they'll find it. People are really friendly and really inviting and are all about the fiesta attitude. And we try to maintain that. That's very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you at Early California Skills of the Rancho, July 6th through 9th in Santa Maria. Great. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. Elena Juarez is just a lovely woman to talk to. She is knowledgeable in the ways of the Early Californios. She helps as the vendor coordinator for the Early California Skills of the Rancho. I caught up with her as we sought shelter from the wind in the tack room of her trailer after she participated in a roping at Tejon Ranch. Here's Elena. Elena Juarez. I live in Valley Center, San Diego County. Now you're helping out with the early skills of the California Rancho, right? Yes. Yes. And you're doing, I'm um, going to be working with some of the vendors. Are you organizing the vendors? For well, I'm the vendor coordinator, okay. so I... Um, help solicit vendors and encourage vendors to come participate in our event because we are one of the only large events that um, supports the true bridal horse traditions and so to go along with the bridal horse traditions we need to find gear to go go with our traditions so these people that are coming are true craftsmen that we only get to meet at places like this uh -huh. so they come from all the western states to participate and, and show their wares. We have saddle makers from Idaho, uh, three saddle makers actually from Idaho, oh my uh, and this will be the fifth year for two of them and the second year for the third of, of those people. And tell me, what makes those, those saddles a little more special? Well, anything that's handcrafted is going to be a superior product. Okay. We do like a little bit of the fancy carving mm -hmm. uh, in some of that floral work is is traditional, going back to the early uh, Vesalia saddles and and even before those. We do like a little bit of silver on them too, but more importantly, the saddle puts you in the right position to be in balance with your horse. And because the bridle horses uh, are a balanced system of riding and and having your horse perform, you need to be in balance, and these saddles put you there, whereas um, those factory saddles really, I don't think, use those specifications that produce that quality. Do they handmake the trees as well? And the trees are handmade too. Are they really? Sometimes by the, that particular saddle maker and sometimes by a specific tree maker that uh -huh. they go to exclusively. Wow. So, so you've got three saddle makers coming in. For sure, for three. Sure. <laughs> and then we have lots of braiders. We have for the first year, Nate Wald is uh -huh. coming. I'm really excited about him coming. He lives in near Sheridan, Wyoming, and brings uh, like 45 years of braid tradition. Wow. And his son is a braider too, but uh, he and his wife are making the trip to California for the first time, and they're very excited. He's um, probably close to 70 years old wow. now so this is a real honor for me to meet him Very in cool. person but there are a lot of things that are braided <clears throat> in this style of horsemanship so there are well our reins are braided mm -hmm. so once once your horse carries a bit he will carry the braided reins mm -hmm. so our two rein horses are going to be in the 
the spade bit with the Romel reins. This gentleman are the, the expert braiders. They know where to put the buttons to make yes. the thing every everything. Yes, so everything and, is a balance. Right. Balance is like the the definition of our style of riding because uh -huh. the equipment is balanced, the rider's balanced, the horse is balanced. And when everything is in balance, we're doing this because we're doing cattle work. It makes the cattle work so much easier because the horse can happily do the job. Right. And then the, all the rawhide products, there, are those are braided too, aren't they? Yes, yes. Um, and so we start the horses in the hackamore. So usually a, a three-quarter inch hackamore is the first one that mm -hmm. the horse would carry for a short time and then you go to five-eighths and then a half inch and then a three-eighths and then when they're straight up in the bridle they might just carry a quarter inch bosalita as a signature that he's graduated to the all bridle uh -huh. oh, and no cool. longer in the two rein. And is the, the purpose of using the smaller hackamores is that just because they fit under when when they're in the two rein? They fit well under. the smaller ones are going to fit under the two rein under the bridle but also the horses reach that level of training that he's sensitive enough to the balance and understands it and that's the whole whole um, reason of going from the hackamore to the bridle because the signals are exactly the same in the hackamore as they are in the bridle so the horse understands it by the time he's spent a couple of years for sure in the hackamore he's ready to carry the bridle and then find that balance because all the little signals that you give them are all the same. Yeah. You're never pulling off to the side. It's all right here, right there. just as it will be. It's all right in front of you, just as it will be when you're holding all the reins in one hand. And how long have you been practicing this style of horsemanship? About eight to 10 years. And you never learn enough and you have to just keep practicing it and and the more you learn about it, the more you want to learn about it. It's uh, a little bit of learning is a dangerous thing, you know, but, but you realize you don't know it all. But it's, it's actually very simple. We, as humans, make it hard on ourselves, but uh, the system itself is pretty, pretty easy. You did just you find to... it daunting when you started learning all this stuff? And... It's pretty amazing because as horsemen, you know, just in backyard type, Course scenarios. Everything that you learned in the Western venue was usually kind of backwards to what this system teaches you because it's a signal system. You're, you're not doing leverage with your horse and, and your horse is really listening to, through your body. It just makes it so much easier if you really do it. <laughs> if you really do it. It's a, I, I'm, so. I'm learning more and more about it, and it's it just there are some parts that still are a mystery to me on how they're they're supposed to work. And some of the things I'm learning are they seem not counterintuitive, but it's like you almost have to force yourself out of a ha uh, an old habit of that's of, very true you know, of yanking and tugging. Because and, as humans, we don't behave the way horses do, and, <laughs> and we try to put them maybe in our way of thinking when we need to observe them and behave the way that they go through their motions and and respond to you. So and I got us off track a little bit a little because bit. we were talking about braiding and I'll yes. do that to us. Yeah. Um, but even like the McCarty reins, they're they're braided too. Their horse hair quite often their horse hair braided. Well it's a 
It's a twisted. It's okay. It's, it's twisted. twisted. So I, there may be some that are braided, but we're familiar with the twisted here. Twisted, and then those are handmade too. Aren't and those they? are handmade okay. too. Yeah. So we've got uh, we've got the saddle makers. We've got the braiders. Uh, we probably have a lot of uh, other miscellaneous tack, the bridles, and, and well, bit makers too. The bit makers, and uh, we have uh, several bit makers, and of course Bruce um, Hayner mm-hmm. is our local. To California bit maker, who's fifth generation in this uh, style of bit making, and he's researched all the famous and infamous <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of them didn't even mark their equipment that they were making, and through research they were able to find out by the style because their styles are so unique that once you know something about them, you can pick out their bit even if you didn't look at the mark for instance i can pick out the bruce hayner bits a mile away and i'm very fortunate to own three hayner bits so i'm I'm just real happy with that and he's such a supporter of the venue of the skills and those bits they take a quite a skilled bit maker because they are we were talking about balance earlier Mm -hmm. with everything else that bit has to be probably the most balanced. Yes, and it's it's the ratio of, the balance comes from the ratio of, um, from the uh, cannon to the top, and then this is one, and this is two, and this is three. Uh-huh. So it's a one to two ratio here. And that's where the balance comes from. And, and then this just sits in the mouth the way the horse's mouth is made. So our modern bits, are a little bit wider, mm-hmm. but if you look at old bits from 60 years ago or, or earlier, they're about a half inch narrower because the horses were different then. Yeah, oh, that's true. So, yeah. so the, the size of the horse's mouth is a little different today than it was 80 years ago or 100 years ago. So the really old bits are very narrow. These are usually five or five and a quarter, and the older bits are usually um, four and a half. Four and a half. Mm. Cool. So that is also one indicator that's a really old bit, because <laughs> <laughs> most horses today wouldn't fit in that four and a half inch bit. Yeah. So, so uh, this one, and this one, and this one are all hangers. Wow. You can kind of see the similarity on the yes, two pieces. Yeah. And he really favors the Santa Barbara cheek. And I think that the Santa Barbara cheek just is a little more balanced. The way the weight of it is distributed, I think that does help. Plus, it's just prettier, it is in my very, opinion. It's a pretty bit. Now, is, uh, this, is this part here, is this the spade part? This is the spade. Okay. This is the spade and the crickets and the braces. So there's actually two crickets on there, one on the yes. end of the spade. All, and... all of his have two. And I have two bits from another maker, and they have little crickets on top, too. And then do the braces have to be changed out? Sometimes, because, well, one of my horses, it, well, you can see he kind of chews on these right yeah. here. He just, because they pick them up, and they hold them. They're supposed to do yeah. that, right? <laughs> so, and sometimes he just does it because he doesn't have anything else to do. You know, and it's just an individual thing. See, this horse doesn't do that because his his are pretty, pretty uniform. And 
the horse this belongs to is a horse out there, and he kind of chews it on the right, and my other horse chews it on the left, so which is kind of weird. The horse is able to protect himself with the braces because that helps him lift it up. So it's never on the bars of his okay. mouth. Oh, yeah. So this never touches the bars because he can lift it up. Oh. And then there's play in it. They're oh, okay. Jawed. There you go. So that when you pick up your reins, and then Bruce does this really neat thing. These, these have little swivels on the bottom. So everything is a signal. So, you know, this moves and it, it creates... He good telegraphs it all the way up. Yeah, and so the horse feels it before you even do anything. You're just sending some energy up. So it's, it's pretty cool. And, and these chains were made by another maker. And so all these chains are handmade. Each little link, in addition to Bruce making these, he makes this too, because when you buy your bit, you get the whole package. You get the chains and the bit. And that's pretty Does he have like a, too. he probably has something he balances that on so he can tell exactly where the, how many links to put in there? It's like think? magic, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, a, that's that kind of mysterious. It's a mystery, yeah. and, and that too is what I love about it. Yeah. So this saddle is made by Greg Gummersall, who will be one of our vendors, and he's supported us right from day one. Mm -hmm. And so we we had him make a saddle for my husband. Awesome. Okay, so we've got the tack makers, we've got the bid makers, the saddle makers. And the silversmith. And the silversmith. So, oh, So you wow. see, when I ordered this saddle, yeah. I ordered all the silver from a silver maker. So then I told um, Todd, who, Todd Hansen, who was the maker here, what we were building, and then he and Greg talked about the size dimension of the horn so it was going to fit exactly. So he had to have the silver done before Greg finished the saddle so that this could be put on okay. uh, during the process of the building. So that was a coordinated effort, so I was real happy about that. Well, my horse still wearing my saddle there, but those red bucking rolls uh -huh. are from one of our saddle makers that was there last year. And I have a pair of red ostrich boots, and he made those red ostrich. Oh, <laughs> so, I gotta have those. Gotta have those. Gotta have so that was another little touch. It's not a necessity, but it's you know it's good to have. It it it's part of the program mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And uh, and the bucking rolls have a purpose. They kind of, I mean, if you did a lot of mountain riding, they would kind of help you. Going downhill. Going downhill, and and. Great. So, so we have the, the silversmiths, the saddle makers, the braiders, the bit and spur makers, and then we have artists. Oh, and we have the scarf makers. Oh, yeah, the we wild, have wild rag. rags. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this wild rag is from Amy Mundell, and she'll be there. Uh -huh. uh, and her husband, Jeff, is the announcer for our venue. Oh, great. So she'll be coming, and she also made the leather flower. It's in my hat. I try to support... I have to bring a lot of money when I go to skills because <laughs> I try to spend a little bit with everybody, so I kind of spread it around and don't spend everything in one booth. About how many vendors will be there this year? There'll probably be close to 25 vendors. Oh, awesome. It'll be a full house. And they'll be there mm -hmm. from uh, Thursday? Our show opens on Thursday, 
and uh, right through Sunday. We plan to do the awards around 2 o'clock on Sunday. Last year, we had so many prizes. They were laid out on probably eight, four by eight tables, and so I took a video of all the prizes in order. It was amazing, mind-boggling how much was donated to our event. People really support us and want this type of riding to continue. Cool. So it's really the hackamore, the two-rain, and the spade bit at our event. That's excellent. And, and preserving the skills is really important to do. The event's open to anybody who wants to come and experience this kind of horsemanship, just to maybe even find out a little bit more about it. Well, if you're new to this style of riding, you should come certainly as a spectator because you can watch what's going on, see how the equipment is used, and then go shop with our vendors and get some for yourself and then get started. But we have um, events for all skills. That's why Bruce named this event the skills because Mm -hmm. everyone starts somewhere. And so there is a place to show off those very basic skills. So there, there's a class for roping the dummy. You know, they got to get started somewhere. Right, so right. Uh, he encourages everyone at every skill level to come and, and participate. So and it's it, a very welcoming event, and the people there are very supportive and protective of, of the novice riders, you know, and there's always a couple that hover over, make sure everything's going well. <laughs> and we rope... Uh, when we do the roping portion, it's all roe deer style. The herd is kept in like two sides of a large arena, and then the horses roe deer next to each other to hold the herd in. So that's also another way for everyone to visit each other. Right. So we're we're keeping the cattle. We're doing a job. We're visiting with our friends and people we haven't seen in a year, maybe or more. And then we can switch places and move down the line and talk to someone else. So it's a very welcoming, wonderful place to come spend the weekend. Sounds great. And if people want to find out more, is there a website? You can go to the California Bridal Horse Association website and just scroll down. And you can even request a vendor application. There's a place to click for that. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. That will do it for this week. Thanks to Bruce Sandifer and Elena Juarez. We hope to get out to the early California skills of the Rancho and meet some of the horsemen, cowboys, and vendors. Perhaps we'll see you there. Stay in touch. Woe Podcast is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can subscribe to the Woe Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and you'll never miss an episode. And consider checking out our Patreon page and supporting the Woe Podcast. We hope to add more good stuff and continue to bring you entertaining and informative podcasts. Patreon is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com, then forward slash John Hare, all one word. Or simply go to Woe Podcast and find the Patreon button. Need more? You can join our mailing list at woepodcast.com. We'll keep you up to date on everything happening at the Woe Podcast. And I'll send you some of my favorite horsemanship tips things you can do to build a better relationship with your horse with just a few minutes practice. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please keep sharing our show about horses and horsemanship with your friends. Until next time, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.